It's been a few weeks since I recorded the podcast, but today I'm talking with performance coach, Dr. Michelle, who works with athletes to improve their focus so they can win more games. We dig in deep to give you some tips on how multitasking impacts your game, how to stay in the present, and how to improve your consistency. Let's get to the intro so we can hear from Dr. Michelle. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Dr. Michelle Clear. How are you doing today? I'm great, Lynn. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on today. I'm very excited. Yes, and I am excited that we're able to connect. And one of the things I always like to start off the podcast with is a little bit about your background in terms of how you got started playing pickleball, how long ago that was. I started playing pickleball probably six years ago. I'm always looking for a new sport. I've always been an athlete all of my life. And I guess about eight or nine years ago, I learned to row and did that for a while and was looking for something else. And there was a coach here offering a beginner's clinic. And I was like, huh, pickleball. I didn't know anything about it. I went to the clinic. And of course, as probably most of you listening, loved it. And I just kept playing from there. So I've been playing ever since, been on and off with like injuries and stuff like that. But yeah trying to work on getting better and uh, just continuing to play and now work on the working with pickleball players on the mental side of pickleball. So it's all fun and exciting. Right. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast today was to talk about the mental side of pickleball and maybe first just to explain what the mental game is in relationship to pickleball. Yeah. The, well, the, the mental side really of anything is what goes on in your, the emotions. Usually the first thing that sort of goes haywire once someone steps onto the pickleball court, especially maybe in a tournament situation, but in social play as well, feeling like they're ready to go and play and perform. And then something in the head, the brain, the mind goes, nope, sorry not quite ready for that today. So my job is helping performers in a lot of different fields and sports align their head and their body so that the two can perform more optimally together. Now, that sounds like it could be a pretty intense endeavor. And I think it's my background is in sports psychology. I did a lot Mm -hmm. of that many years ago. And I would, I guess maybe athletes who are maybe haven't played a sport or want to improve their mental game. I mean, how do they get ready mentally? (laughs) Well, yeah, there's, there's many different facets to that. Usually when I work with people, it's very short term. I here in California have been doing sports psych camps for pickleball, which have been going over really well. Those have typically right now been an eight-hour day 
of learning how to deal with mental situations that come up in pickleball and developing some of the skills to be able to do that. A lot of my work is one-on-one and I think it is hard in the realm of pickleball, particularly because for so many people, it is their first segue into sport. And I think it's hard to figure out how to add training this mental stuff as well as training the physical stuff. And I I try to make it as easy and simplistic as possible, but there are many areas in pickleball as in many other fields and sports where it, there's prime time for your brain to kick in and want to sabotage before you step out on the court. So nerves are, are pretty typical for a lot of people. I'd say even in a social environment, serve is another one of those areas that I help people develop a pre-serve routine because I've helped many pickleball players deal with what we typically call the serve yips. But I've also had many other social recreational players who just are hurrying through the serve or thinking too much about the serve and really struggling with the serve. So a pre-serve routine can be really helpful for that. Understanding how to deal with the moments between each ball or each point is also critically important because if you make an unforced error, the first thing your brain wants to do is kick in and and reprimand you for that. So you have to learn how to deal with those moments so you're not hanging out of that mistake. I often say that if you're playing pickleball and you're hanging on to that last mistake or unforced error, then what happens is your body sort of goes on autopilot because then you're what we call multitasking. You are trying to think, beat yourself up, analyze that last error and continue to play. And unfortunately, you can't do both of those things at the same time. So learning how to let go of things that are happening, reset and get ready for the next ball is critically important. And I think it's also lastly, sort of important to be able to realize how to evaluate performance, right? I think I see a lot of people coming off the court, whether it be tournaments or social play, and just not feeling great about how they played or feeling like, ooh, that was really inconsistent. And sure, we do have those moments, absolutely. But if that's all we're thinking about are the bad, terrible moments and the inconsistent moments or the losses, then it's really going to challenge our motivation or our confidence, as you probably know, since you have a degree in sports psychology, which is actually pretty cool. So those are some of the big things I do, but within that is also obviously helping with confidence and motivation and goal setting and the list goes on and on. Yes. And I appreciate really, that's really good overview of a lot of the different mental training skills that athletes can use. And one thing I'm curious about is because, you know, I've been an athlete ever since I was a little kid. So, but like you said, and like, as we know, there's a lot of people who come into pickleball that this is their first sport. So what do you find is the biggest challenge for them and how mental challenge and how can they overcome it? From what I've seen, I would say the inconsistency 
for people then leads to frustration, irritation, anxiety, stress. And I think the, the first thing is being aware that's happening. Again, a lot of times we just, we come off feeling frustrated. We're not sure why. So maybe digging into that a little bit more. And I don't know. I think there's, I think there's, I think that inconsistency is going to happen. But again, like I, I feel like one of the things that I work with a lot of pickleball players on is just continuing to let go. And sometimes we practice that in other areas of their life because that can be a real challenge. As human beings, we really want to hang on tight to things that aren't working. We want to figure it out. We want to fix it. We want to analyze it. And in the middle of a game, a match, whether that's social play or a tournament, I think one of the best things that can be helpful is to just be able to be in this place, recognizing where this is happening and the ability to be able to let it go and keep moving forward. Because my sense is the inconsistency, uh, sure. I mean, part of it goes back to like here in Northern California, a lot of us don't have court space or time to practice. So of course there's that, which leads to inconsistency and struggles with like getting better. So that's a huge problem. But again, the more you can get into this place where you're letting go of what has happened and keep moving forward, I think the better off we're going to be. So that talking about skills, I mean, I'm a firm believer of developing that skill of like being more present, recognizing, oh, don't need to be there. Let me be here. Oh, don't need to be there. I want to be here. I mean, it's essentially called mindfulness, but developing that ability to be present and recognize where you want to be and bringing yourself back to that space, which again, is a really hard thing to do for most of us. But I feel like that is really one of the critical skills. Right. And I like a lot of what you just said there, because inconsistency, part of it is a physical thing. Part of it is a mental thing. In fact, it was really ironic. I was just watching a video by CJ Johnson and Tony Roig. We are pickleball. And Tony was dealing with kind of the physical aspect of being inconsistent from kind of a technique perspective. His idea being that you largely want to use your shoulder joint to move your paddle because if you involve your elbow or your wrist too much, Mm -hmm. that can create inconsistency. And you mentioned another thing, which is really the drilling aspect of pickleball, where, you know, if you if you're short on courts, which it sounds like you are in Northern California, (laughs) which is funny, I used to live in the Sacramento area. And uh, so obviously, if you're in the Bay Area, I could really see that not so much maybe in Sacramento. But anyways, but drilling is a big part of becoming consistent once you kind of have that technique, like Tony was describing in their video. And then really, you're kind of layering in the third aspect of being consistent, which is really kind of learning to to really be mindful. I think you kind of termed it as being learning to let go. And so talk a little bit about mindfulness and how you actually develop being in the present, being in the moment. So if you think about, okay, well, there's like three 
time zones you can be in when you're playing the sport. You can be in the past, the present, or the future. Of course, sure. mindfulness is the one that's actually in the present. Yeah. Well, and I call those, we can either be in rewind thinking, present thinking, or fast forward thinking, right? And really where we want to be is in the present moment, because that's where we can most fully act and respond to things. So I guess it was probably six or seven years ago, I realized that this was a huge gap for a lot of us human beings, this ability to be present. And I've been doing this work for 20 plus years. And um, as mindfulness has really come around in the last, I don't know, probably 10 years at the most. And so I guess about seven or eight years ago, I was like, huh, well, I need to do a little bit more research. I need to get trained in this because this seems really important. So I did. And then I started doing the work on myself because I am a big proponent for not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. So I started really training myself to be more present and mindful. And then I was like, okay, all right, this is good stuff because you really can't at the best level make change unless you're aware of what's happening and really in the moment of what's happening. So I started doing some work with clients and it was going really well. And then I don't even know, honestly, how this happens. I developed this exercise using music and it was, the results were amazing. So the exercise goes like this. If you want to try it, you're going to put on a song that has words. You're going to sit somewhere or lay down. That's totally fine, but no multitasking with your earphones in. And you're going to listen to the song. And every time you recognize your brain has strayed off, you're just going to bring it back to the song. Straight off, bring it back. Straight off, bring it back. Straight off, bring it back. And again, the results have been amazing. So after one song with words three times in one week, Clients come back the next week. I'll say, how did that go? Wow, that was really hard. Yeah, of course. But did you were you able to recognize quicker? Yeah, I did get a little bit better at that. And how was it bringing it back to the song? Well, that was pretty good. And I'll usually follow up with the question, did you recognize anywhere in your life that you were feeling a little bit more present? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd say nine times out of 10, like a really clear example of the change. So that's level one. I have two other levels. The next level is music without words. The third level is music where music in a place where there's distractions, sort of simulating internal and external distractions. But look, here's the thing. As human beings, we are so inundated every day. Lynn, I'm sure you are. I am. Text messages, emails, phone calls, presentations, podcast, writing, client. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then to top it off, we have a brain that just never stops. And that is the brain. We can't really do anything about that per se. 
the brain is like having the TV or the music on in the background all day long, but we can train the brain to be a little bit more present and focused. And so when I talk to athletes, when I talk to coaches, I say, look, the most important thing is that not you're, you can't be focused. You can't be focused 24-7. It's just not possible. But the most important things are that you get better at recognizing when you've lost focus and the ability to bring it back to where you need it to be. And I tell you, Lynn, I have people like sit up in their chairs, listen and pay attention when I say this, because far too many times people throw around this word focus. And I I really caution them with that because a lot of us don't really know what that word means. So this exercise has been really groundbreaking in my practice with my clients. And again, it's really had big dividends. I love that. That is an amazing tip because over the years and what I learned in school, there's different ways to develop mindfulness. But I have to admit, I have not heard of your method nor used (laughs) your method, but it seems like it's much it could have a much greater impact than just listen to your breathing and when you stray away, you come back. That's a, That just right. doesn't cut it for most people. It really doesn't. Well, and you're absolutely right. I mean, so many times when, you know, when I first started doing this and I used the word mindfulness, which then I, I had to sort of pull back from that just a tiny bit because that scared people a little bit. But, you know, I'd start to talk about this and I had had people say, no, I've done meditation. I've done yoga. And I think there are periods of time where we practice these, what I call mindful moments, where we're mindful, right? You're in yoga, you're in meditation, you're mindful. But the thing that I've found in my many years of doing this is that there's no transferability for people. And there is just something about this exercise, again, the back and forth the recognizing, the realizing, the awareness that does have a transferability. And of course, not many people don't like music. So it's kind of an enjoyable thing for most of my clients. There usually becomes a point in time where where we talk about how to work on this skill in in their daily life, whether it's mindful eating, I do what I call mindful dog walking. I had a client who did mindful tea drinking. Look, the the conductor doesn't have to necessarily be continue to be music for the rest of your life, but I think it is a really good way to practice all of the skills in developing mindfulness and then talking about how making that more specific, obviously, with pickleball and life, but then talking to clients about how, well, hey, okay, we've done this music exercise. Let's talk about now what you could maybe use in your daily life that might you know, uh, be a little bit more seamless and continue to work on this. You know what I have to say? In sports psychology, there's a lot of skills that don't necessarily have to continue to be worked on for a lifetime because I call these coping skills. And once they're developed in a conscious way, 
you sort of have them, you can adapt them a little bit. But mindfulness is definitely one of those skills that we have to stay on top of. Again, just because the brain chatters on all day long and we're inundated all the time and it's really easy to lose. That That's a really good point. I love that idea. And in, in thinking about one of the things you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation was that you'll work with people one-on-one, you have camps, but like when you do work with people one-on-one, I think you said you work with them for a short period of time. So, and actually, let me ask, I'm not sure if you do work with clients remotely or if it's mm-hmm. in person, because I know there's probably people listening to the podcast who might be interested in working with you a sports psychologist to help them with their pickleball game? Well, I started doing remote consulting far before COVID. I work with people all over the world, which I love. And so all of my work is remote. There was, uh, I would say the first like probably 11, 10 or 11 years where I did see people in my office. And now I don't see people in my office and that's partly due to COVID, but that's also partly just due to convenience for people. It saves people here in Northern California, where I live a lot of time sort of commuting. And because I have been doing this for so long, my work has just gotten more and more effective. Not that it ever was ineffective per se, but you know, people worry about the remote thing. Like how effective is this? And, Oh, it's a, very effective. I'm able to do everything remotely that I can do in person. And then is it a series of sessions that you set up? Is that fairly standard or do you kind of evaluate what the person needs? Because you had mentioned that you work with people for a short period of time, typically. Right. Yeah, I do. I offer a free initial consult that's 30 minutes that can be done by phone or zoom and i do sort of evaluate from there how many sessions a client will need and then i'll make a recommendation yeah i have packages of sessions but it doesn't typically it goes from three months for kind of and that's mainly for younger people to about six months and six months is typically the longest that i work with people and so at the end of that three months or six months, they have got the scale, the skills that they need that they can maintain on their own over time, it sounds like. Yep, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And then you also mentioned that you are have been doing some camps up in Northern California. And uh, is this like a one hour kind of day camp type of thing? How is that structured? And this is specifically pickleball players, right? Yes. It was, it's been a lot of fun. It's so ironic that we're having this conversation right now because my wife was just doing, she's a hair colorist and she was just doing the hair color of someone that we've played pickleball with and was in my camp last year. And she's like, is Michelle going to have another camp this year? Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of good feedback. The camp was eight hours. So it was a long day, gave a lot of information And we had another one set up for this year, which long story didn't go, but we're in the process of setting up another one this year. And we may set up a part two from our part one last year. So yeah, full eight hour day pretty much covers all of the 
free free play pre-serve between point and post post play evaluation pretty much all of those things so it's a long day and it's back and forth from like classroom to court and classroom to court okay that is interesting that you actually do classroom to court because normally when i think about mental skills training i don't really think about that being on the court well yeah and this is where I have worked in tennis for many years, and this is where I have had to get creative. So there's a a lot of good court stuff that can be done. Absolutely. I know it's, it's, it's been an interesting process for sure to try to figure out how to do on court stuff. And I'm always continuing to work on that and make that stronger and better because I think that practical stuff, right, is what really resonates with people. Very true. Well, Michelle, or Dr. Michelle, it sounds like you are doing (laughs) some really cool stuff. And if somebody's interested in learning more about what you offer and might want to work with you, where's the best place for them to get more information or to reach out to? Yeah, thanks, Lynn. So my website is drmichelleclear.com. That is probably the best place. There's a contact form on there and you can reach out to me and set up a free 30-minute consult. And honestly, if you just want to set up a free 30-minute consult just to chat about what's going on and don't want to go any further than that, that is fine too. The consult is no obligation. uh, And I always just like to put out there that I'm always happy and willing just to talk to people a little bit if that's what they're interested in as well. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. Thanks for having me, Lynn. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 